The technical definition of ABA provided by Cooper, Heron, and Heward is that ABA is a scientific approach of discovering environmental variables that reliably influence socially significant behavior and for developing a technology of behavior change that takes practical advantage of those discoveries. So, um, what, what does all of that mean? Welcome to the Just Talks ABA podcast. With me, I'm Jess, a BCBA who is still trying to navigate the big world of applied behavior analysis. Join me as I try to break down common topics of applied behavior analysis and attempt to make things make just a little bit more sense. So my initial plan for today's episode was to talk about ABA very briefly and then go more into depth about what behavior is, how you would define a behavior, operationally define it and measure it and all that good stuff. Talk about the dead man's test and had a whole plan. But then I realized that in order to even move any further into talking about behavior and ABA, we kind of need a better understanding about what ABA is. And to really understand what ABA is, it's important to understand the seven dimensions of ABA. So that's what I'm going to try to attempt to do today, talk a little bit more about the seven dimensions of ABA so that we can actually move forward and talk about all that other fun stuff in a later episode. So what is ABA or applied behavior analysis? In a nutshell, ABA is a scientific practice that examines the relationship between how the things in our environments impact our behavior. An ABA is used in everyday situations with the end goal of improving the quality of someone's life. So I know a lot of times we think ABA and we're like, ooh, people in lab coats tucked away in treatment centers and no, no, no. This is used in everyday life. It's not some weird, creepy, cold medical thing. So to increase the overall quality of someone's life, we usually do this by increasing desirable skills and behaviors and by reducing challenging or undesired behaviors. And the behaviors or skills that are targeted for intervention are always socially significant. So what do we mean when we say that a behavior has to be socially significant? What this means is that the skills or behaviors selected for intervention are meaningful, keyword meaningful, for the person receiving intervention and those closest to them. And by increasing these socially significant behaviors, the outcome will be an improvement in the person's overall quality of life. So some common skills that are targeted for increase in applied behavior analysis are things like social skills, such as how to make and keep friends, or how to complete a hygiene routine, toileting skills, feeding, or how to communicate with others using either vocal language or an augmentative communication system. And some other times, behaviors might be selected to be reduced because they're either impacting the person's quality of life or their health. So for example, something like self-injurious behaviors like headbanging or skin picking. Um, Sometimes there might be an issue of repetitive or restrictive behaviors like needing to adhere to a very rigid home routine that's actually interfering with the person's ability to participate in tasks in their everyday lives. So there are seven dimensions of ABA that essentially make up ABA as a whole and really makes ABA what it is. And whenever someone is writing an intervention plan or a behavior reduction plan or whatever it might be, it's very important that 
these seven dimensions are adhered to and incorporated because otherwise it's not ABA. And the three lovely people that introduced this or these seven dimensions, I don't know if you've heard of them. Uh, <laughs> their names are Bear, Wolf, and Risley. And they wrote an article in 1968 called Some Current Dimensions of Applied Behavior Analysis. Now, if you haven't heard of this article or them yet, it's fine. No worries. Um, but I would highly recommend that you do read this article and I'll leave a link to it in this episode's description. And what were the seven dimensions that were presented by Beowulf and Risley? Well, it's applied, behavioral, analytic, conceptually systematic, technological, effective, and has generality. Did you catch all that? Don't worry, I didn't expect you to. It can be quite a mouthful to remember. Uh, so an easy way to keep this in mind is by using the acronym Get a Cab. That's G-E-T-A-C-A-B. And I'm not going to be that mean. I'm not just going to list them all off and leave it there. Let's actually go ahead and review each dimension on their own. The first dimension that we're going to talk about is generalization or generality. And generalization means that the skills that are taught to a person generalize or transfer to environments outside of where the skill was initially taught. And generalization just doesn't apply to the environment. It also applies to other people across time and across materials. For example, if a person is taught how to tie their shoes at home with their mom, can they then tie their shoes at school or at their grandparents' house? What about two weeks after they learn to tie their shoes? Are they maintaining the skill a year later? What if they get new shoes? If the person who has learned to tie their shoes can only do so at home with the support of their mom, or they can only do it with one pair of shoes, or in one particular environment, this skill has not demonstrated generalization. The second dimension of ABA is that it is effective. And what effective means is that interventions are monitored to ensure that they are creating meaningful behavior changes. Or, to put it another way, is the intervention actually working and changing what was set out to be changed? For example, if we were to introduce a program to increase a child's ability to request for the things that they want, we would want to see that behavior increase over time. We would monitor this by taking data, graphing the data, and examining the data, can I say data enough, <laughs> to ensure that the behavior change is occurring in the direction that we want to see. And if after examining the data, we see that the behavior really hasn't changed or it hasn't really improved in a significant way, then it's not effective or it hasn't been shown to be effective. And we either have to make revisions or maybe have to try a different intervention. Moving along to dimension number three, technological. For an intervention to be technological, it should be written in a way that each step and all of the required materials are clearly described so that it can be replicated by someone that has absolutely zero history with the intervention. For example, I am absolutely terrible at baking. I can cook. I just, I cannot bake. And if my friend who's great at baking were to give me a recipe for a cake without the exact steps and measurements required, I would probably end up with a pile of goo that no one would want to eat. However, my friend that wrote the recipe for me could probably look at it and execute it with zero issues and have a great end result. But that's not being technological. Instead, if she wrote me a recipe with all of the materials that I needed, or I guess ingredients that I need, such as a scale, an oven, measuring cups and spoons and all the ingredients, plus the measurements and the cooking times and temperature and all that good stuff, 
I would likely have a much better result, and I would probably end up with a cake pretty similar to the one that was made by my friend. The next dimension of ABA is that it is applied. Applied means that the behaviors selected for intervention are socially significant. And like I said earlier, behaviors must be meaningful for the person receiving intervention and improve their quality of life. The behavior that's selected for intervention or the skills that are selected to be taught really depends on each individual person. No two people are the same, so often the behavior analyst will decide which skills to teach by meeting with the person or their caregivers and understanding what is most important to them. The goal, again, is to teach new skills or reduce challenging behaviors that in the end will make the person's ability to function or participate in society or their everyday life much easier. Behavior analysts wouldn't teach a skill that's not meaningful for the person or their family. For example, I could use the principles of ABA to teach a person every single brand of laptop or technology out there, but if they have zero use for this skill, is it really meaningful for them? No, absolutely not. However, if I am helping to support someone who just got a job at a computer store, this might actually be very meaningful for them. Always ask yourself, what is the end goal? What behaviors would be meaningful to target or what skills would be meaningful to teach? Whew. Okay, we're getting through them, slowly but surely. The next one is one that I had a really rough time wrapping my brain around for whatever reason. Um, I still struggle with it sometimes and I have to think, oh right, yes, that's what it is. But I don't know what it was about this one. For the longest time, I just couldn't figure it out. But that is that ABA is conceptually systematic. And conceptually systematic means that the interventions and principles used in ABA is consistent with what has been shown by research to be effective. Or another way of putting that is that we use what has been shown to work by research. For example, if I wanted to increase a skill, I would likely use positive reinforcement. And maybe I would combine it with another intervention depending on what the skill is. Positive reinforcement has been demonstrated through research to be an effective intervention. However, I would not use bribery or another made-up intervention that I thought of on the spot because these interventions have not been backed by science. You should always ask yourself if the intervention is consistent with the research and if it has been shown to be effective. Next on the list is that ABA is analytic. An analytic means that the behavior therapist is making data-based decisions when looking at an intervention. For example, if I were to introduce a picture exchange communication system, or PECS, to increase a person's requesting or communication skills, I would consistently and constantly look at the data to see if the behavior change was reflected. So for example, if for whatever reason the data was flatlining or really not resulting in a positive behavior change, I would have to either revise the intervention or look at another intervention to use. Behavior analysts should consult the data often and make changes based on the data that reflect the end goal. We want to see a functional relationship between the behavior change and the interventions that we use. Last and certainly not least, ABA is behavioral. ABA focuses on behavior or what people do. Behaviors are observable and they are measurable and this is important so that we can collect data on behavior and make data-based decisions. 
behavior isn't necessarily, you know, a word that we use for bad behaviors. It could also be increasing important social skills as well, or, you know, desired skills that we want to see or desired behaviors. So to go into an example of what a behavior is, let's say someone says that someone is tantruming. Tantruming in itself is not a behavior. Instead, we can define what's included in tantruming or explain what it looks like. So this might include crying, screaming, hitting others, or even flopping to the floor. In next week's episode, I think I'm going to go over a lot more detail about what behavior is and talk about, you know, the dead man's test and how to um, define and use an operational definition to define behavior. But I think I'll leave it at that for today. And with that, Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Jess Talks ABA podcast. Seriously, if you made it through that with me, you are a champion and I appreciate you. (laughs) You can find more information about today's episode in the podcast description. If you'd like, you can join me next week when I talk about behavior, I think, if I don't change my mind. We'll see. We'll see when next week comes. But um, if you enjoyed this podcast, please hit subscribe or tell a friend. I would be so, so, so grateful. You can find me on Instagram at JessTalksABA. That's Jess.Talks.ABA. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you in the next episode.